You're listening to the Mind Your Autistic Brain podcast, the show for late identified autistics. Each week, you will hear the autism journey of another late identified person, including their hardest part, their best part, and insights they share just for you. So you know you are not alone on this journey, my friend. Find your person and community here each week. And don't miss the special editions of Creator Spotlight and Hot Topic with your hostess with the mostest, Social Audie. That's me, Carol Jean. Let's get started. Welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain, the talk show for late identified autistics. Today, my guest is Charlie Jajari, and he hosts the YouTube channel, What is Autism? I was so fortunate and honored to be a guest on his show a couple weeks ago, and Charlie asks the question, what is autism? And it is such a fantastic show, and he introduces some fantastic people, and you really need to go check it out. Charlie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, Charlie... Now that we're flipping the script a little bit and you're the guest this time, share with us your autism story. What's your autism journey been? Sure. Um, I'm 28 years old and I, uh, I was diagnosed uh, right at the end of last year, pretty recently. Um, uh, I, I've, I've known um, that I was autistic for about uh, probably three years or so. Um, I, uh, I actually suspected someone else in my family was uh, autistic, or, or as I thought back then, I thought they might have Asperger's. Um, and I started looking at the symptoms just out of curiosity. Uh, and then just, uh, I, I guess, very quickly realized that all of those things applied to me um, very directly. I didn't, I didn't realize how many, uh, I guess, specific um, elements there were to autism. You know, um, I just viewed it more um, plainly, the pro- probably the way that most people view it is some sort of like just um, pure like inability to interact socially. I didn't realize all the other aspects of it. Um, and so I um, kind of uh, at one point, like two or three years ago, just everything started falling into place. Um, and um then, um, I guess slowly over time, I began to recognize more aspects of my behavior and my personality um, as consistent with autism and started to embrace it more as a fundamental um, aspect of my identity and how I make choices in my life and how I perceive myself. And that led me to then wanting to seek a diagnosis because I just needed that uh, sense of um, like clarity or, or closure on it so that I could just feel confident, like accepting that that's um, that I'm justified in, in viewing that as a really significant part of my identity. And that's where I am now. I love that. That's how you, have experienced it. So what was sort of a, the big aha moment for you in that journey of discovery? Well, it, it was that moment that I, that I talked about, you know, I, I, uh, I was just looking up the symptoms cause I just became curious about it. Um, one night. Um, and, 
I remember reading through the the symptoms and just like thinking to myself um, at first, like, oh, well, that could apply to me, you know. And then after I did that about five or ten times, I was like, wait, maybe maybe I'm the like I'm the problem here. Like, I'm the, <laughs> maybe you know, there's something to this. And yeah. it's not I was like, what? This, I mean, this describes everyone, right? You know. And then and I was like, oh wait, these are all the things that. I know that I'm a little different from everyone else on. Um, and so uh, it was a bit shocking in that moment, but it's, it's a bit, you know, um, I don't think you could get to the point that we are in our lives without ha constantly thinking, you know, not, that we don't understand why other people do this thing or that thing um, and wondering why we're so different and wondering if we're crazy, you know, and wondering if we like are just not getting something that's obvious. Um, and so even though it's a big uh, shock to the system in some sense, it's also, um, like I said, you know, it, it does feel like things falling into, into place in another way. So Charlie, since you started your autism journey, since you got your validation, your official piece of paper that says, Charlie, this mm -hmm. is you, <laughs> what has been um, the hardest part of, of your autism journey for you? Since I got the diagnosis? Just from the um, time you went, oh, by the way, this is a whole lot of things lining up. Right. Um, the hardest part was actually the, the pre-diagnosis period, um, especially like the immediate pre, or I shouldn't say the immediate pre-diagnosis period. The, um, the period in which I was getting diagnosed was very difficult for me. Um, Why was that? Because um, at that point I was dealing with a lot of um, like imposter syndrome, as you would call it, um, thinking like, okay, I know that I'm, autistic on some level, but we don't really know enough about this thing to say whether people are actually like more autistic or less autistic or whether it just manifests itself in different ways. Like there's really not enough like scientific information on the genetics of it to say, you know, and so it's not clear whether or not some people are kind of autistic, you know, like it kind of seems like that probably is the case because it is something that's comprised of a lot of different um, genetic factors. And so when you think about it and you, I, you identify with it in yourself, you go through this, or at least I went through this um, critical process of um, wondering whether or not I was attributing too much of my behavior and my identity to autism, you know, and. Um, oh, I do. And I yes. So many people just resonated with what you just said, because yeah. that is a big part of that sort of what I call the the abyss part. <laughs> yeah. Where you, you're like, okay, I'm pretty sure, but you know, what am I overthinking? What am I just like internalizing from what I think I've experienced? And you know, you go through this whole sort of imposter syndrome thing. So yeah. So yeah. how did you sort of start to to align and then process and be able to, did you have to get that official piece of paper before you could say, okay, I, I'm done feeling like this or yeah. were you kind of got to it before there? I, I hate to say, cause I know some people uh, don't have um, as much access to getting a diagnosis. Um, so I wish that I had better, a more like answer that was that I came to some sort of internal solution, but it, but the getting the diagnosis was, um, 
what um, really rectified things for me. Um, you know, not that I, I mean, I do, st we still don't know whether or not it's rational to say, you know, that uh, some people are just kind of autistic or more autistic or less autistic, you know, it's kind of a, this open question. And so I still do experience the imposter syndrome to some extent, but uh, much less so since I got the diagnosis, um, simply for the matter, obviously that I just had a professional person like, you know, delve deep into my psychology and come out and say, yes, you are autistic. Uh, I think a huge part of the imposter syndrome was the, and is, but it's just less so now, the um, the tendency rationally, I think, to map on my perception of autism to other people in the sense that like um, what other people would think if I told them I was autistic and the fact that a lot of people would be like, well, you don't fit into the box of what I presume an autistic person to be, which would be someone who is more um, whose autism is more pronounced in a way that people recognize. So like someone who um, might have more um, ex more extreme, like idiosyncratic, like social behavior, um, you know? And so it's this question of like, if I talk about being autistic, will other people believe me or like kind of give me that look like, you're not really autistic, you know, you're just trying to be different or something like that. And um, that prevents you from talking about it, obviously, around other people, even though as it takes a, a bigger and bigger part of your perception of yourself, it becomes something that's relevant in many conversations, especially with people who are close to you. You know, like, it's not something that you necessarily need to bring up all the time, but just like if you're talking with someone and something comes up, which things will come up, which, and I'm not just talking about like things that like you need an excuse, like you said something offensive and you need people to understand that like, you didn't realize that, that was offensive. That stuff does happen. But I'm also just talking about the extent that you would just want to talk with someone that you're friendly or, or close with um, about something and be able to just mention like, well, I'm autistic. So that's probably why I think about it this way or something like that. Or that's why I made this choice, you know, and, and not have them like throw on the brakes and go, eh, what? Yeah, 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 exactly. But the fact that you don't look autistic. Yeah, yeah. The fact that they, really? they probably won't acknowledge it. And it's not even that they might say that they don't acknowledge it, but that they'll just kind of pull back and be like, oh, okay, you know, or or even, um, you know, feel like you're demanding sympathy from them or something. Um, that is oh, what- Oh, that's interesting, Charlie, because I think a lot of people, I think, feel or experience that same reservation. It's like, yeah. are they going to then behave differently toward me? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And what, how is that going to change our relationship? Like that was um, when I asked the Mind Your Autistic Brain community, you know, hey, what what is what are some of the biggest questions that you guys have or, you know, just like concerns that you have when it comes to sharing your autistic with other people? And that was a big one. That was a really big one. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, I, I think, and, and, you know, the diagnosis doesn't necessarily help with that, you know, uh, in some sense, because like, I mean, even if you're diagnosed, it's like, oh, he's, he must be really autistic, you know what I mean? But it's like, um, the diagnosis just helped with the sensation that I can say it if I want to. And not that I'm, I anticipate getting to some sort of argument where someone's going to be like, you're not autistic. And I'm going to be like, I have a diagnosis, you know, read it and weep, you know, but it's more so like that I just don't have to gauge 
my own perception of myself based on other people's uninformed skepticism. Oh, good one, Charlie. I like that. I like that. So if that has been sort of the hardest part of your journey, what's been the best part of your journey? What's been the thing that was just like, this has been amazing. This has been transformative and life-changing. This has been fantastic. Um, letting go of expectations other people have, you know, of like what you're supposed to do with your life. Um, I think uh, just like, just not caring about um, what other people want you to be and, and do, you know, it's, it's a kind of a general thing to say, but I think like as a, as a musician um, is like my primary interest. I don't um, have like the same kind of uh, like career ambitions that other people have, you know, um, and I'm not really sure that I want like a uh, kid's family kind of thing, you know, and, and, and all these sorts of, you know, I just want to lose myself in creativity and um, things that I'm interested in. And I know deep down, I've always known deep down that that's what's most important to me. And that um, that's the method which I derive meaning from life and what I want to get out of life. And that not doing those things is... Um, you know, does make life very meaningless for me. And it's always been weighing that more untraversed pathway against the one that everyone else is on and everyone else feeling that pressure of everyone else wanting you to get on the normal path because they feel like if you're not on that path, then you want to be, you just can't do it. Or you just like, you need to get yourself together and get on the normal path. And, um, I think just being able to recognize that there's really something different about me cognitively that um, makes me happier and more fulfilled doing other things and pursuing other goals than other people um, is the most important realization that I and imagine and I imagine other autistic people can have about themselves uh, because if you're just trying to be happy and fulfilled by other people's standards. Um, it's going to be very unrewarding in the long run. You have to realize that the reason you're being pulled in that direction is because other people can't fully empathize and um, map their own uh, desires and things that make them happy and things that give them meaning onto you because their minds are different than yours. Oh, Charlie, I love that. I love it. So your best thing has been the freedom that you have found from escaping mm -hmm. that thief of joy, which is the comparison trap. Yes. To be able yeah. to openly and just internally say, you know what? What I want from life is different and it looks different and success is defined differently in my life. And it's perfectly valid. And I don't have to justify it or compare it or meet anybody else's standard. This is what's important to me. And yes. I love that you're living that. Yes. Yeah. And the, I think the other big realization on top of that is that I don't think um, it's merely a matter of that other people, um, like, I think that other people think and say and promote the idea that you should 
follow this particular path that suits them because th other people, I mean, everyone does this to an extent, but people really want to feel like the way they're doing things is right. Um, and the path that they're on is correct because there, because there is no correct path and things are much more arbitrary than we like to acknowledge. And there's a sort of uh, something that's scary and nihilistic about that, you know, that there's no like objective meaning to life. And so everyone else who exists on this, well, I shouldn't say everyone else, but non-autistic people, you know, like exist on this, um, uh, this social um, plane um, where they're all in sort of agreement that by pursuing this life, you know, and having these goals, we're doing the right thing and that's what people are supposed to do. And that gives me some sort of social credit um, and I can sort of climb the social hierarchy, you know, and I can feel like sophisticated and accomplished and that I've done the right things. And, and that's all fine. I'm not really, you know, just like in a rebellious, angsty way, like raging against the fact that people do that. I understand that. The big old anarchist you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's like, I understand that people um, are trying to find meaning in life. And so, um there's some sort of meaning to get out of the more sensible pathways that make sense for most people, like pursuing a family and a, and a career that allows them to, um, uh, you know, have a certain amount of money so that they can go on vacation once a year and et cetera, et cetera. I don't even want to marginalize it because that brings people happiness and fulfillment. But the thing is, is that people on top of that then decide that, if you don't do that, you're doing it wrong because that gives them a little more sense of that they're doing it right because everyone, most people do it that way. And so it's hard to get, it's a bit harder to dig yourself out of the hole if you're not like that because it's not just acknowledging that you're different, but it's acknowledging that there's a little bit of a layer of superiority to the way that other people view the way that they view their lives because that gives them a little extra meaning, you know? somehow they think that this is the right way yeah, and that there's not other ways. And if you do it any other way than their right way, then it's not valid or it's yeah. not successful. Yeah, I, I it's, it's all about that gauge and that measure of how you define success for yeah, yourself. And, and it goes down like to little things too, like all sorts of little things that we as autistic people might do weirdly or differently. Cause we just don't tap into that. What the way you're supposed to do things like the, like there are, a million little examples of like, oh, you're not supposed to just eat that with that or, you know, like, or just, you know, like, it's weird that you will just eat like bread out of the bag, you know, or something like that, you know, and it's just, there's all sorts of little things that people like to judge other people for, like, you know, and just think that's weird and you shouldn't do it that way. And then as an autistic person, you have to internalize those things and just carry them around with you at all times to be like, okay, don't do that in front of anyone else because they think that's weird, you know, and don't pace around because people think that's weird. And I think that's just as important as to acknowledge that people view those major life choices as right. They also view so many little things as right that as an autistic person, you have to like, you know, manage this, you know, large um, sort of um, like scripture of social, it's like a social religion that people have of like all the little things that are right and wrong, you know, and you have to um, you have to be constantly conscious of them. 
and it exists all on that one thread of people making up all these things that allow themselves to feel like they're doing things the right way and that the way they do things is better because that gives them meaning. And again, it's fine that the people are pursuing meaning, but it's easy for people who are do things the way that most people do them to impugn that sense of most people do it this way so it's better on everything. And then that affects autistic people a lot because we're constantly dealing with that um, and, it, and it boy, is it exhausting. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Charlie, this, this, this conversation right here is exactly why I was so excited to have you come on my show <laughs> after yeah. we talked about your show. Because I feel like Charlie's got so much to say. I want to hear what Charlie has to say. So one of the questions that you ask at the end of your show is, what is the meaning of life? Right. Okay. So obviously <laughs> so now is your turn. Yes. Obviously now I can't, uh, after everything I just said, I can't give any specific answer. It would be very uh, hypocritical for me to do so. You know, let me tell you what the exact meaning of life is. All these other people are wrong. Um, no, 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 I, I mean, I know about your yes, opinion, yes, like your yes. feelings. Yes. Well, I mean the, the obvious, um, thing to say about the meaning of life would be that there is no objective meaning of life. Um, um, I mean, we, okay, wait a minute. I'm going to, I'm going to take you off the hot seat on this. One. Okay. How about instead in your life today, how do you define success in your life, Charlie? What is, what is a fulfilling, successful, this is like my perfect life, my perfect day. This is what this is to me right now. Cause we know it all evolves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, um, and it is somewhat just answering the question of meaning as well for me. It's it's like a transcendence, you know, just like um, being able to push further um, with whatever it is uh, that you find engaging in life. So for me, um, I like to be creative and that's what I can get meaning out of life from because to me, um, there is this, you know, kind of, I'm a very existential person. There is this kind of nihilistic pull to like, you know, what's the point? What's the meaning of it all? And um, by creating something that has some sort of sense of emotion to it, you're doing the most kind of visceral thing you can do to really reject the idea that there is no meaning. Even though there always will be no objective meaning, it's kind of like this defiance of that um, somewhat unfortunate although at the same time fortunate condition and existence that we have, which is that we don't know what to do with our lives because we just exist for, you know, evolutionary reasons to, you know, we're just, you know, the product of billions of years of evolution of things trying to survive. And we're trying to move beyond that and find some sort of fulfillment and happiness. And it's, it's not, it's always kind of a ghost that we're chasing, but if you, are really able to just feel like um, there's something to be had in chasing that ghost, um, then that's the closest thing that you can really come to meaning. You know, it's like you can never really escape the, the cage of mortality that we exist in, you know, in the sense that like, we're not going to exist forever. Everything's going to go away, essentially, you know, et cetera, et cetera. All these kind of dark thoughts you can have but you can kind of break out of that cage into a bigger cage. And you can break out of that bigger cage into another bigger cage and see what's outside that. And you're always gonna be in a cage 
But while you're alive, you might as well keep breaking out and trying to find something um, more. And for me, the way to do that um, primarily is through creativity, but and not, not just artistic creativity, but also, I guess, just being able to explore ideas and thoughts and talk with other people and just talk about something like this, like how to find more meaning is in its sense, in a sense, meaningful as well. You know, um, so it is, again, I come back to just that idea of transcendence, which is just about like trying to find something more, you know, you're never going to be satisfied. You're always going to want something more. So just know that that's what you want. Just try and keep pushing for something more because there's an infinite amount of things that you could find meaning in because you're creating the meaning. That's one of the things that I really love. And that was one of the biggest um, aha sort of uh, joyful things in my discovery was that there are awarenesses and whole other ways of thinking outside of my box that I'm in yeah. currently. And it's, it's a constant evolution of your box, right? And where those boundaries are and where you see sort of that, that box boundary being. And once you, once you're aware of it, then you can go beyond it. But when you don't know it's there, you're in it, right? Without awareness. And I find that to be one of those things that's really one of the beautiful processes in the late identified autism journey that happens. It's sort of the awareness that this box that you think is here, that you didn't know was there, you now know it's here. And now you're going to push past it to the next box. And just sort of that process of internal evolution. Yeah. And I, I think, I think uh, once you make the realization and maybe get the diagnosis, it's, it's not just being able to push into another box, but, but, that specific thing um, sort of frees you up to keep pushing forward and, 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 and spiraling um, out, you know, I guess. Uh, and like, um, because it, it gives you the mechanism, which is the acceptance of your, um, of the way that your brain works and the way that your brain is different to be able to explore different things. Because, you know, that stuff that I was talking about, um, about like comparing yourself to other people and about the presumptions that other people make about the way they do things being right um, and how exhausting that is and, and all that sort of stuff that um, those are walls that you build up that prevent you from breaking out of those boxes. And then a lot of us autistic people, and I, I know I'm this way, it's not just, I, I, mean, I mean, like for me, I need to break out of those boxes as much as possible. You know, like that is, I understand some people like just getting inside a box and staying there and that's what gives them fulfillment and meaning. So it's, it's not even applicable to everyone, the idea that you're breaking out of those boxes, you know, that's what some, some people don't like that. Now, I don't know, maybe they some people are happy in their box and we're going to yeah. leave them right where they're happy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> those of us who are trying to break out and just see what the next box looks like, because we're so curious and we just want to know, we're just going to do it together. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think it's, I think it's um, the, the recognition and di and possible diagnosis of, diagnosis of autism is um, for an autistic person, obviously it just gives you those, um, those tools to, um, to break out further and expand as much as you want to, because it's, it's all those reservations about not wanting to be different than other people and not being willing to acknowledge that 
the way that you think is differently that stop you from expanding into the areas that you want to. Yes. Charlie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for sharing your voice and adding your insight and your autism journey and your story to the Mind Your Autistic Brain community. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me.